Baptist Media Networks. This is America's First News. This morning with your host, Gordon Deal. Searching for an extended truce. Good morning, I'm Gordon Deal, along with Jennifer Koshenka on this Monday, November 27th. Glad you could be with us. Here's what we have for you this hour. Today is the final day of a negotiated pause in fighting between Israel and Hamas. It's not clear if it'll continue now that hostages and prisoners were exchanged. Police in Burlington, Vermont, say three college students of Palestinian descent have been injured in a shooting that may be a hate crime. Just in time for travelers to return home after the Thanksgiving weekend. The weather's turning wintry. Here are the problem spots. And the scannable Spotify tattoo that now struggles to play your favorite song. One guy had gotten one beneath his knee and you know, he's a mechanic. He's always on the move. And he's like, it just stopped. It was his favorite party trick. And he he had Pony by Genuine, if you know the song. And so he would say, oh, scan my scan my leg and you'll get a surprise. And then he's like, and then just over time, it got harder and harder to scan. So he eventually covered it up. Megan Graham at the Wall Street Journal on the scannable barcode tattoo from Spotify that no longer sounds like a good idea. President Biden says he'd like to see the ceasefire extended between Israel and Hamas. Today is scheduled to be the fourth and final day of a truce brokered by Qatar and Egypt that saw Hamas commit to releasing 50 Israeli hostages, exclusively women and children, in exchange for 150 Palestinian prisoners held by Israel. Israel also committed to allowing at least 200 trucks carrying humanitarian aid into the Gaza Strip daily. The proof that this is working and worth pursuing further is in every smile and every grateful tear we see on the faces of those families who are finally getting back together again. Hamas released 17 Israeli and foreign hostages yesterday, including a four-year-old girl with dual U.S.-Israeli citizenship who lost both parents during the Hamas terror attacks last month. In accordance with the deal struck last week between Hamas and Israel, Israel freed 39 Palestinian prisoners from Israeli jails yesterday in exchange for the hostages, a ceasefire held for a third day. Authorities in Vermont are investigating the shooting and wounding of three young men of Palestinian, uh, Palestinian descent who were in Burlington for a Thanksgiving holiday gathering near the University of Vermont. We get more from this morning's Mike Gavin. Police say the attack may have been a hate crime. They've arrested 48-year-old Jason Eaton in connection with the attack Saturday evening near the UVM campus. Burlington Police Chief John Murad released a statement saying two of the men were in stable condition and the others suffered much more serious injuries. Investigators say the three, all aged 20, were walking during a visit to the home of one of the victim's relatives when they were confronted by a man with a handgun. Two of the men were wearing the black and white Palestinian scarves. Gordon. Thank you, Mike. The FBI in Albany, New York, posted a statement on X late yesterday saying the Bureau is actively investigating the shooting with the Burlington Police Department, ATF, and other federal, state, and local agencies. The deal to release 50 hostages held by Hamas since terror attacks on Israel last month came together after five weeks of intense negotiations involving the White House and Qatar as well as Israel and Hamas. Inside the talks from Alex Gangitano, White House reporter at The Hill. Alex, what have you found? So this all effort started in the days after the October 7th attack. So it was around that time that we're now learning that officials from Qatar um, asked the White House and the Israelis to establish this very small group of people 
to start working through getting the hostages released. So that included really top, top advisors for President Biden on the national security front that we're talking um, to Qatar officials, we're talking to Israeli officials, um, and then through Qatar, they were talking to Hamas to figure out how to get these people released. So the first releases, as we all remember, they were two American um, hostages to uh, a mother and daughter duo. They were released on October 23rd. And that was like the first uh, impact from this small group of, of people working on this to show that this a larger release could happen. Yeah. You know, gave them kind of um, the indication that, okay, we were able to get these two out. That was the first step. So I think we can get the 50 out um, if we keep, you know, these same channels of communications open and keep working on the way we did. So um, in the following week, so now we're in like late October, early November. Um, of course, you know, keep in mind, this is all very recent. You know, this is over like a five, six week span. Um, the uh, conversation started going on about how many hostages there are, what do these, um, where are they being held? You know, we've heard a lot in the news about how Hamas has these, like, corridors and tunnels and such um, around Gaza. You know, how do we identify where these people physically are? Um, and also a big question was, you know, are, is there proof of life? We're speaking with yeah. Alex Gangitano, White House reporter at The Hill. Her story is called Inside the Secret White House Effort to Secure the Hamas Hostage Release. And I mean, as you point out in the story, too, like Hamas has made it seemingly increasingly difficult only because there's not an exact number of people known. Right. And we don't know who they are. That's right. So, uh, you know, everything that we were hearing from the White House coming up until now was that they don't know how many American hostages Hamas has, how many hostages they have overall, um, what the state of the hostages are and physically where are they. Um, It seemed like things kind of took a turn on October 25th. Last month, the president uh, got on the phone um, with the prime minister of Qatar and was briefed, and he stepped in essentially for a a discussion about, um, you know, I'm not, we're not in a place where I want to be. We need to, you know, step up our game here. So that led to Hamas identifying a list of 10 hostages, which the White House found insufficient, but that was a step in the right direction towards this 50 hostages. Um, so then in early November, uh, it seemed like the president personally got involved a little more, was pushing Qatar to help or Qatar to help even more. It was interesting. And then November 12th, Hamas finally produced identifying criteria for the 50 hostages. Again, these are all women and children. Um, and they were able to give proof of life which made the U.S. feel confident. And then they pushed uh, Prime Minister Netanyahu and the Israelis to feel confident as well to take this hostage deal. So, again, I found it really interesting to kind of see how this all unfolded and how much the U.S., of course, because they were Americans being held, and there still are Americans being held, how much involvement there was and how personally involved the president got. Uh, when When Washington is dealing with Cotter, uh, do, do these two sides hold their noses in dealing with each other, or do we have a decent relationship with Cotter? It seems from what I've learned about how they're dealing with the conflict in the Middle East right now that the diplomatic relations are good, and you know, in a situation like this, Cutter's helpful. 
Thanks, Alex. Alex Gangitano, White House reporter at The Hill. Hey, it's Gordon Deal, your personal HelloFresh holiday helper. Seriously, make your holiday festivities stand out with HelloFresh with over 45 scrumptious recipes that will impress at your party. This season, indulge in the joy of cooking made simple. HelloFresh delivers right to your door so it's convenient and saves time. And with the very specific step-by-step instructions from HelloFresh, it's easy for someone with zero kitchen skills like me to follow along. Make it the tastiest holiday season yet with HelloFresh. HelloFresh lets me ditch the store run. No stressing about running back and forth or worrying about forgetting something. Their farm-fresh and pre-portioned ingredients make cooking easy, fun, and affordable. Go to HelloFresh.com slash GordonFree and use code GordonFree for free breakfast for life. One breakfast item per box while subscription is active. That's free breakfast for life at HelloFresh.com slash GordonFree with the code GordonFree. Unleash the tasty seasonal flavors from America's number one meal kit. Order HelloFresh today at HelloFresh.com slash GordonFree. Glad you're with us. Welcome into Monday with the Thanksgiving holiday over. It's starting to feel like winter in much more of the country. Below average temperatures are in the forecast for most of the country to start the work week. The National Weather Service says one of the biggest trouble spots is expected in the Great Lakes region, where some of the chilliest air of the season will trigger lake effect snow, and travel could be treacherous from portions of the Midwest to the Northeast. Meanwhile, over the busy Thanksgiving travel period, the flight tracking site FlightAware says airports appear to be experiencing minimal disruptions with only 54 reported cancellations within into or out of the country yesterday. This college student was returning to Newark Liberty International. I'm from Spokane, Washington. It was pretty busy. My flight was like at 6.45 in the morning. But my, I had a layover, layover in Minneapolis, and it wasn't too bad. Back to the forecast. AccuWeather says about 1 to 3 inches of snowfall rates per hour, plus power outages and whiteout conditions are possible into late tomorrow. That's from a snowstorm moving over the Rockies and Central Plains. 20 minutes after the hour on this morning, here's Jennifer Koshenka. And now, the three big things you need to know. Number one. International mediators are pressing to extend a ceasefire in Gaza that has halted the deadliest Israeli-Palestinian violence in decades. But it's set to expire after Monday as Israel and Hamas prepare for a fourth exchange of militant-held hostages for Palestinians imprisoned in Israel. Comments yesterday from President Biden. That's my goal. That's our goal, to keep this pause going beyond tomorrow so that we can continue to see more hostages come out and surge more humanitarian relief into into those in, who in need in Gaza. Israel has said it would extend the ceasefire by one day for every 10 additional hostages released. Hamas has also said it hopes to extend the four-day truce, which came into effect Friday after several weeks of indirect negotiations mediated by the U.S., Qatar, and Egypt. Number two. Drone warfare intensified between Russia and Ukraine over the weekend, with both sides targeting each other's capital cities with dozens of drones. Russian authorities claim Sunday that Ukraine had targeted Moscow with dozens of drones on Saturday night, just hours after Russia launched its most intense drone attack on Kyiv since the beginning of its full-scale war in 2022. Meanwhile, Russian President Vladimir Putin said the model of globalization created by Western countries has outlived its usefulness and is in a, quote, deep crisis. Number three. A shooting that wounded three young men of Palestinian descent in Burlington, Vermont, is being investigated as a possible hate crime. The men attacked Saturday evening had been visiting an eight-year-old's birthday party. The University of Vermont student heard the gunfire. We heard four shots 
in very rapid succession, so there was no pause between each of the the, the shots. And besides that, it was it was silent for those first few minutes. We just heard those four shots. Police say the suspect, 48-year-old Jason Eaton, approached the men without speaking and fired at least four rounds from a pistol. The union representing teachers, counselors, and other school employees in Portland, Oregon, yesterday reached a tentative deal with the city's public school district, ending a strike that has kept nearly 45,000 students out of classes for more than three weeks. Classes will resume this morning. In an age of deep fakes and the rise of artificial intelligence, the Merriam-Webster Word of the Year for 2023 is authentic. Authentic cuisine, authentic self. Lookups for the word are routinely heavy on the Dictionary Company site, but were boosted to new heights throughout this year. All right. Thank you, Jen. It's becoming popular to get inked with a Spotify barcode so you can scan your flesh to turn on music, but the codes can stop working as skin sags and ink fades. Here's Megan Graham at the Wall Street Journal. Megan, what's up here? So I think it was about six years ago, Spotify came out with these codes and they look like barcodes. It's like 23 lines. And I think the idea, and they didn't do an interview with me, but I think the idea was, oh, here's something you can put on social media. If you are a band or if you have a podcast or if you have a playlist you want to share, But what ended up happening is people saw these and thought, well, how fun would this be to get tattooed? And so I did find some people going into the Spotify chat groups and saying, you know, have you guys seen this done before? Can I do this? And so as people started doing it, I don't know the first time that it happened, but the earliest person that I talked to that got one of these codes tattooed on themselves was 2020. And I do think that the pandemic had something to do with this being kind of, you know, people were using QR codes, this kind of came back into vogue. So they started getting these tattoos. And basically how it works is you get the tattoo, you have to pull up your Spotify app, and there's a little camera icon in it. And when you put the tattoo in the window, it just immediately starts playing whatever song you have. So you can pick a song, you can pick a playlist, and it just starts playing right away. Uh, it, it is kind of a cool idea, I, I, if you like tattoos, I guess. Um, but things happen with tattoos, right? What'd you find there? Yes. So the thing is, I pitched the story a couple years ago, and at the time, it didn't really have a twist to it. It was just kind of an interesting, you know, just little interesting fact that people were getting these. But I came across a video a couple months ago of a woman being asked, well, what's your least favorite tattoo? And she said, well, it's this one, my Spotify one, because it just stopped working. And so I started to find other people who had gotten them and they would work for a while and then they would stop working. Um, And, you know, when you get something on, there's parts of your body that they they change over time, right? They might get wrinkly. They might you know, maybe you gain or lose weight or whatever it happens to be. But when that changes, these very precise tattoos get warped in some way and they don't work anymore. So what does Spotify say about this at this point? Well, they they acknowledge that this is something that people do. Um, they in 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 a in a chat group like a message group they kind of said like make sure you get a good uh tattoo artist and make sure that um you get there's a logo that you have to put before the tattoo or it doesn't work and so i did come across people who had gotten just the barcode and without the logo um so that's another interesting piece of it right because if you get one of these you are essentially also putting the spotify brand on your body so I think for some people, and I did ask everyone about this, is it something that you really thought about? 
Um, is it something that you just wanted to express your love for Spotify? Um, did you mind that? And and people generally said, you know, it was more the tattoo that I liked and that I had to get the brand to. But people generally were like, yeah, I use it, obviously. So yeah. um, I don't mind having that on my body. Megan Graham, reporter at The Wall Street Journal. Behind the headlines, above the noise, you're listening to America's First News. This morning with Gordon Deal. Hey, thanks for being with us. Welcome into Monday, November 27. Gordon Deal, Jennifer Koshenka. Some of our top stories and headlines. It's not clear if a four-day pause in fighting will continue between Israel and Hamas after today. Police in Vermont have arrested a 48-year-old man in connection with the shooting and wounding of three college students who are of Palestinian descent. Lake effect snow in the forecast for the Great Lakes region. It's Cyber Monday coming off a Black Friday in which retail sales rose 2.5% from last year. Bears and Vikings in Monday Night Football. And the pilot who helped return a lost book to a library halfway across the country. That story in about 20 minutes. This portion of the program is brought to you by Discover. Discover wants everyone to feel special with live 24-7 customer service. Learn more at discover.com slash credit card. Limitations apply. Last holiday season, after two years of pandemic-stoked spiking demand, shoppers abruptly cut back. That left Mattel and many of its fellow retailers with warehouses full of unsold merchandise and decidedly unmerry annual results. What does that mean for this year? In-depth analysis from Sabrina Escobar, reporter at Barron's. Sabrina, take us through it. You know, I think the last three years, really, we've seen this massive surge in demand over the holidays. You know, people were really splurging. They had a lot of money to spend from pandemic stimulus and savings cushions. And we had some very strong growth, right? People were out in full force and buying. Last year, we started to see a bit of a moderation, right, when it comes to buying gifts. It was still fairly, you know, fairly strong. We saw above 5% growth um, year over year. This year, things are slowing down even more, right? So I think a lot of forecasts are saying that um, holiday sales will rise somewhere between 3% and 5%. So um, clearly, it's a deceleration from the last couple of pre-pandemic years. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot going into why we're seeing that slow down. But overall, you know, consumers just aren't spending on durable physical goods the same way that they were just a year or two ago. So is a return to the old routine, if we get there, good or bad? I'd say it's it's pretty good. So again, it depends good for whom, right? And bad for whom. So um, like you mentioned, the the sales forecasts we're seeing right now do feel a lot like what we saw before the pandemic. So from 2010 to 2019, holiday sales grew on average 3.6% year over year, according to the National Retail Federation. Um, and so that's within the rings that we're expected to see this year. So it all is a matter of comparisons, right? So if you compare it to the last three years, and certainly we are seeing a slowdown in sales, but back to that uh, you know pre-pandemic comparison, it's still fairly healthy, right? It's not a spending cliff. People will still buy, and some people say that that can actually be healthy because it's more sustainable growth, right? And it's a bit more predictable. So retailers have um, a bit more um, background, if you will, to predict and forecast what consumers are doing within this more normalized spending environment. 
We're speaking with Sabrina Escobar, reporter at Barron's. Her story is called Retailers Are In For A Holiday Nailbiter. Who Will Win The Most Competitive Season In Years? For those who are uh, thinking of cutting back, who are, are cutting back, who are they? What, what, what's their profile? So I think it's, uh, you know, pretty broad based, but I would say it's mostly that lower income to middle income household that uh, would be cutting back a bit more this year. They really felt a bit of strain from um, higher interest rates. You know, inflation is still around, right? Moderating again, but still a problem for many people. Um, savings positions have gone down. So, you know, these people are a bit more cautious in terms of how they're spending um, high earners or, you know, people who are wealthier might feel in a better position, right? Because much of that uh, higher income household wealth comes from things outside of just wages. You have things like, you know, the stock market, which has been performing very well. You mm-hmm. have things like equity, you know, home equity prices, which are also up. So that can all undergird a certain sense of more stability in your financial well-being. So you might be more willing to spend. People who are you know, a bit more in the middle or dependent on things like salaries, uh, they might scale back. Again, it's not a spending cliff. You're, yeah. We're going to see that, but that's kind of um, the broad strokes. Obviously, it depends on the household and the person, but this is, you know, generalized comments. Is it a no-brainer to say that luxury retailers are kind of rubbing their hands in excitement or not necessarily? Yes. So, I mean, I definitely think that they are well-positioned heading into the holiday season. Obviously, it's not all you know, incredibly rosy. We are seeing that uh, recent results from these luxury retailers. Um, they've been calling out a bit of a slowdown in that high-income consumer as well. You know, they're not entirely immune from a slowing macro environment, but um, that kind of breaks down again within income. So I would say that the luxury retailers that are perhaps a bit more worried are those that cater to that aspirational consumer, right? So somebody who's going to buy a, you know, $300 purse, and that might be a big splurge for them, right? A kind of a little treat, or even, you know, that uh, $1,000 purse. That's something you might rethink if you're kind of a more um, middle income household. Uh, but people who are, you know, extremely wealthy are, are still going to be spending. So these are households that they don't really mind, you know, they don't really think twice about buying yeah. that expensive purse, or they might have a couple of nice uh, supercars in their garage. Mm-hmm. That's that's a bit different within the luxury segment. Thanks, Sabrina. Sabrina Escobar, reporter at Barron's. Time now for the mic drop with this morning's Mike Gavin. Good morning. Well, it was nearly wall-to-wall football over the long holiday weekend, and some funny stories emerged from all that gridiron action. Let's start with the aftermath of a Thanksgiving night blowout, where the San Francisco 49ers dispatched with the Seattle Seahawks by a 30 31- to 13 score. And while it's just a regular season matchup, the Thanksgiving games can take an outsized importance, especially in a divided household. That was apparently the case for one guy who was seen walking a street corner after losing a bet to his wife. The man, who we presume was a Seahawks fan, was wearing a homemade sandwich board featuring red and black Sharpie that read, I pretty much lost a bet to my wife. The reference to 49ers quarterback Brock Purdy. The back of the sign asked a rhetorical question. Did the 49ers just score again? The Seahawks fan's shame was shared on social media by ESPN and others. And commenters were crying laughing all over it, though some were also calling for a divorce. Oh. 
Yeah, it might be a little bit drastic. Seems like a little much. Uh, you, you, you lost the bet. Yeah, you, you pay. You, you you pay your fine essentially. I mean, it could have been worse. He was fully clothed, right? I mean, uh, we've seen yeah. some of these like fantasy football bets where these guys right. have to go out like wearing just underwear or something. Yes. You know, he was fully clothed. In fact, he was looked warm. He had as a winter hat on and everything. Mm-hmm. So he had coffee in his hand. Okay. So you know, it was not you know, not that much of a punishment, right? right. It, it could have been a lot worse. She's not cruel, right? Right. right. Exactly. She's carrying through on her end of things, but right. she's not cruel apparently. I mean, if you think about it, maybe he got out of like some post-Thanksgiving chores or something just by standing out there all day. So uh, I I might have actually volunteered for that myself. You reference about losing some of these uh, fantasy leagues, right? So my my son and uh, his friends are in one um, in in which the loser has to like get into a dog cage. Oh, boy. And then the others get to throw things at you while you're in there. Wow. Yeah, I think like flour, honey, syrup, like... You know, other condiments like ketchup, mustard, I think, are like all part of the deal. It's, yeah, I, I don't like that one. There's a desperate, desperate effort to avoid last place <laughs> these, in that league. These sound like young people, Gordon. Yeah, yeah they are. It's something that uh, people are. our they age are. would ever uh, agree they're, to. They're 20-somethings. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Friday and Saturday gave us plenty of college football to digest, but things weren't looking great for Oklahoma before they even hit the field. The, Sumer, the Sooners were attempting to run out of the tunnel in front of their home crowd when something went wrong. In a scene resembling a pileup on a foggy, icy roadway, Oklahoma coach Brent Venables tripped in the smoke screen used during the team intro and that set off a chain reaction with charging players piling up behind it on top of them. It was a funny scene with some commenters comparing it to the 90s kids movie Little Giants. The good news is Venables and the team were fine beating up on the TCU Horn Frogs by a score of 69 to 45. Yeah, everybody scored when they had the ball. It seemed like in that I mean, game. maybe they should just, just do about, that all the time, right? Yeah, this fall is just over like each a other. Good luck charm kind of situation. Did see a lot of guys were just hurtling each other when they saw bodies on the ground. Some guys were able to see through the smoke somehow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, you don't ever want to be in front of football players when they're charging like that. You get a pile up like that, it can be a scary situation. Doesn't it make sense to help your coach up too? I mean, you would. Rather yeah, but you probably couldn't see back, him. Right? You couldn't see him. That was some thick, thick fog they were using for this thing. Oh, man, what a mess. Thank you, Mike. Whether good, bad, or somewhere in the middle, we all have a relationship with food, and food-focused holidays like Thanksgiving can bring them to the forefront, along with unhealthy behaviors we may have in response. Amanda Holzer, registered dietitian in New Jersey, says one behavior is known as restriction. She says that's the effort to save up for a big holiday meal, like skipping meals before an event. But she warns this almost always has a negative effect. She says it leads you to be ravenously hungry, which then leads you to overeat. In many cases, unhealthy patterns like this may be normalized or even mistakenly labeled as healthy, which can become confusing. Another unhealthy behavior, demonizing foods. She says viewing certain foods as good and others as bad is a mindset we want to shift away from. She explains that food does not have morality and it shouldn't evoke any feelings of shame or fear. Eight minutes now in front of the hour on this morning. Once again, here's Jennifer Koshenka. And now, the three big things you need to know. Number one. Hamas released 17 Israeli and foreign hostages on Sunday, including a four-year-old girl with dual U.S.-Israeli citizenship. As negotiators remain locked in talks over a possible extension to the four-day deal that halted fighting, Israel freed 39 Palestinian prisoners from Israeli jails in exchange. National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan told ABC mediators are pressing to extend the ceasefire. Hamas could choose on uh, Tuesday, on Wednesday, on Thursday to continue to release hostages and then the pause would continue. If the pause stops, 
the responsibility for that rests on the shoulders of Hamas, not on the shoulders of Israel. Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu says his government would accept an extension of the truce in exchange for the release of 10 hostages every day. Number two. The CDC says two people have died and 28 more people have been hospitalized in a salmonella outbreak in cantaloupes across 32 states. The FDA advises consumers and restaurants to check the cantaloupes they have to see if they've been recalled. If someone has a recalled cantaloupe or if they're unsure if the fruit has been recalled, they're advised to throw away and sanitize any surfaces that may be contaminated. Minnesota has the largest number of sickened people with 13 of the 99 cases reported nationwide. Number three. Early Black Friday sales data point to a healthy start to the holiday shopping season. Adobe says online sales reached a record $9.8 billion, a 7.5% year-over-year increase. The analytics firm expects consumers spent another $10 billion over the weekend and will fork over $12 billion today, Cyber Monday. Shopify President Harvey Finkelstein told ABC Today will be a big one for retailers. We're seeing more and more that Cyber Monday is becoming a really, really important uh, piece of this holiday shopping season. Electronics are a major growth driver this year with smartwatches, TVs, and audio equipment popular purchases. Other hot sellers include toys, gaming consoles, and videos. Snap back. Hurts going to run. He's got room. 10-5. Touchdown. Jalen Hurts wins it for the Eagles. Chris Carino with a call on Compass Media Network says the Eagles showed why they are the toughest team to beat in the NFL. As they came from behind to edge the Bills 37-34 to in overtime, the Eagles have been behind at halftime in their past four games and have won them all. They can beat you in so many ways, <laughs> as much as it hurts me to say it. Thank you, Jen. Did you know traditional bed sheets harbor as much bacteria as a toilet seat? The germs in your sheets can cause acne, allergies, stuffy noses, and other gross ailments. Fears, though, that you can put to bed with Miracle Made bed sheets. Miracle Made uses silver infused fabrics inspired by NASA that are thermal regulating to keep you at a perfect temperature all night. Miracle Made is self cleaning, self cooling, luxurious, eco friendly bedding designed to protect your skin for more restorative rest. My wife and I love them. Now, my listeners can have a clean night's sleep while saving over 40% and sleep cool all summer and warm all winter. The website, trymiracle.com slash Gordon. Claim your free three-piece towel set and save over 40% at checkout. Miracle-made products are backed with a 30-day money-back guarantee. Again, the website, trymiracle.com slash Gordon. Trymiracle.com slash Gordon to save big. You can sleep cool, comfy, and clean. Miracle-made bedding, NASA-inspired for out-of-this-world comfort. Sleep clean with Miracle. Glad you're with us. Welcome into Monday. A library in eastern Kansas is sharing the story of a children's book that was returned to it after being found by a pilot at an Atlanta airport. The Johnson County Library in Shawnee said on social media that the book, Whatever After, If the Shoe Fits, arrived in a package with a letter from a Delta Airlines pilot named Ben. Goodnewsnetwork.org says Ben wrote that he found the book by author Sarah Mlanowski unattended in the B concourse at Hartsfield-Jackson Atlanta International and decided to make sure it made it home safely. He wrote, I'm an avid reader myself. He then added, I hope that whoever checked out this book grows up to be an avid reader as well. The pilot offered in his letter to pay for any late fees. The library says there were no fees for the book's return as the facility is now fine-free. Librarians wrote, Ben, if you see this, we think you're pretty awesome. Come say hello if you ever find yourself in our neck of the woods. That'll do it for this hour. For Mike Gavin and Jennifer Koshenka, I'm Gordon Deal. Thanks for listening to This Morning, America's First News.